So we are continuing our summer series on 1 Corinthians 13, 13, which in part, uh, but now faith, hope, love abide these three. And as we went through June, uh, we were putting a lot of our attention on the first of those, which is faith. Uh, Faith being our foundation as Christ followers, uh, faith being the content of God's message. So for the month of July, we're going to spend the next several weeks, or however many weeks there are in July, talking about the second one, which is hope. Now, in, when the Bible talks about hope, hope is an attitude, and hope is that on which we put our focus, okay? So hope is not wishing, So when people say things such as, I hope I get that job, I hope I get that promotion, I hope that my money holds out to the end of the month, I hope that that cute guy from class calls me, or in my case, Cindy Crawford, those are not, that's that's not the biblical definition of hope. Those are wishes because there is a degree of which they may not come to pass. Hey, I'm still holding out for Cindy Crawford, but there's a degree to which that may not come to pass. But that's not the biblical definition of hope. The biblical definition of hope is confident expectation, that what is said in the Bible will come to pass as if it had already done so. Amen. So there, hope is actually uh, is one of those words that has... Uh, both its noun and its verb content. So the noun portion of hope is the thing that is hoped for. The verb, for those of you who are grammar geeks, the verb uh, portion of hope is the act of hoping. And we're going to talk about, uh, from biblical scripture, uh, how hope is described uh, using each one of those. It's both the noun, the thing hoped for, and the verb, the act of hoping. So first of all, hope comes from the Lord. And the psalmist David in Psalm 38, 15, For I hope in you, O Lord, you will answer, O Lord my God. So there is a confident expectation that hoping for the Lord, he will answer. He will answer. And Paul in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, Now may the God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So here Paul is using both tenses of the word hope. May the God of hope, being the one who is hoped for, fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope, which is the act of hoping, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So that is the biblical definition of hope, confident expectation both the thing hoped for and the act of hoping. And it's also relevant to point out that hope distinguishes believers from non-believers. And when we look at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, uh, Paul makes that clear. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. I'm going to come back to this verse in a little bit, but I just wanted to point out that Paul's making a distinction between the hope of believers 
and then those who have yet to put their faith in Christ and the despair that they are facing. So for the next several minutes, uh, I'm going to talk about three things. I'm going to talk about first, in what do we hope? I'm going to talk about in whom do we hope? And then I'm going to talk about the practical sense, how do we hope? Okay? So in what do we hope? In whom do we hope? Those are the things that we hope for. And then how do we hope would be the attitude, uh, the act of hoping. So first of all, in what do we hope? Many of you know that I am a Rich Mullins fan. Uh, I, uh, he actually play, plays a big part in my own uh, story here. Uh, but shortly before he died, and when I mean shortly, I mean like within a week or two before he died. He died in a, a Jeep accident, rolled over. Uh, but he recorded a demo reel. A demo is not even a reel. It was literally a cassette tape. He recorded a cassette tape of what he planned to be his next album, which he was calling the Jesus album. It's going to be songs about Jesus. And one of the songs that he recorded uh, after he died, his friends in the music business, they all got together and they recorded the album for him uh, from this little cassette tape. It was really, really cool. Uh, one of my favorite albums, but one of the songs on there uh, was called That Where I Am. And he took that, and the reason why I'm talking about this, and I'm totally digressing now, but he took it from the verse I'm going to talk about right now, uh, which I always think about whenever I read this verse. I sing the song in my head. Uh, but John 14, verses 1 to 3. John 14, verses 1 to 3. Jesus uh, talking to his disciples and telling them, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So Jesus has been telling his disciples that they're on their way to Jerusalem. His disciples know this is not going to end well. And Jesus is telling them, don't be troubled. This is part of the plan. And because I'm going to Jerusalem, this is part of the plan. And I, yes, I will uh, be killed, but I will be going back to my Father in heaven. And because of that, I will be preparing a place for you. Okay? Uh, and then I'm going to come back. I'm going to come back. That's what he promised them. So that's why their hearts were not troubled, because Jesus is coming back. The person that they're following, the person that they have devoted themselves to, has promised that even though he's going away, he's going to come back. And then a little bit later on in Matthew chapter 24, uh, he's talking to his disciples. The disciples are asking the question, when is this going to happen? And then Jesus goes through this whole list of things that are really, really bad and scary things that are going to happen at the end times. And then in, in verse 34, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. So Jesus is promising that he is going to come back, that all these scary bad things are going to happen, but he's going to come back and he's going to make everything right. Okay, we have to go through the bad stuff before Jesus comes back, but Jesus promised he's going to come back. But he also said that this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. So now we're talking a few, several years later, Jesus has died, he's resurrected, and he goes, he ascends into heaven, 
and bad things are happening. And now Christ followers are starting to die. Where's Jesus? He promised he was going to come back in this generation. A generation's about 20 years. Now we're talking maybe 30, 35 years down the road, and he hasn't come back yet. Where is he? So that's what Paul was addressing when he wrote his letter to the Thessalonians. And this is our main text for the day, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, 18. I invite you to turn to that if you have your Bibles, because this is the main text of the day. I think it is in your program, though. And I am reading from the New American Standard, uh, just so you know if there's any differences in uh, the text. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, 18, this is Paul's answer as to where is Jesus. And Paul says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So he's writing these words to comfort the believers who have lost loved ones who had devoted themselves to Jesus and had passed away before, before Jesus returned. Okay? So let's unpack this a little bit. Verse 13, first of all, brethren, we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren. So he is talking to believers, okay? Non-believers who are reading this uh, are not able to take advantage of the comfort from this verse because they have not put their trust in Christ. I'm going to come back to that. So he's talking to believers, and that's important to note. And then those who have fallen asleep, he's talking about those who have died. Uh, and it is a certainty that unless Jesus comes, uh, all of us are destined to die. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and then after this comes judgment. So all of us who are alive right now are destined to die. The first death. Unless Jesus comes first. If he doesn't come, if he delays, then we will face death. And then all of us have experienced uh, the death of loved ones, of people that we care about. Uh, that's just how it happens. Okay, it's, all, it's pointed to all that we all will die. Verse 14, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. So this is the gospel. This is the gospel message that at the appointed time in history, God himself descended in the form of his son Jesus and was born of a virgin he lived a sinless life. He lived a physical life. And then he died a physical death. And then he had a physical resurrection on the third day. And then he had a physical bodily ascension into heaven. And with this verse and other verses, several other verses, we are promised that there will be a physical return. One day he will return. 
Uh, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in, in Jesus. So if he's coming again and we believe that, then we believe also that those who have already died did not die and lost. They died knowing that Jesus will come and they will also be with him. Not only that, but they will be the first to rise. Verse 15. Those who are alive and remain uh, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Okay, so those who have already died will go first. Now, it's interesting that elsewhere, for, for example, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, when uh, Paul is talking about the mystery of the, uh, of the return, uh, behold, I tell you a mystery, uh, that we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. So he's acknowledging that there will be Christians and their believers who are alive when Jesus returns. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, So when the dead in Christ are raised and then those who are alive in Christ is still all in a twinkling of an eye, which is pretty quick. I don't know what the unit is, but it's very, very quick. <laughs> so, uh, but there is an order. Okay, So those of us who are alive when Jesus returns, if any of us, if he comes within uh, the next little bit of time, uh, the dead will rise first, but we're not going to be we're not going to be too far behind. Okay, those of us who are still alive. Verse seventeen, coming back to First Thessalonians chapter four, verse seventeen: Those who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. That is the promise. That is our hope. That's the thing that we hope for. We hope that one day we will be with Jesus. We hope that one day we will be with our loved ones who have preceded us. And when we say hope, this is not a wish that might not happen. This is a certainty that it will. Okay? That's what I want to hammer home. This is a certainty that we who trust Christ will be with him always and also with our loved ones, uh, family, and friends who preceded us. And therefore, comfort one another with these words. So the second question that I want to talk about, in whom do we hope? So turn a couple pages ahead to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 16 and 17. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work and word. So in these two short verses, it's actually one sentence, these two short verses, we see the Trinity at work. So in whom do we hope? So Paul here is invoking the power of God the Father through or in the name in the name of his son Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit so Paul does not name the Holy Spirit in this passage but we know from other studies that we've done a few weeks ago that 
that's where the power comes from. The power comes through the Holy Spirit. So when Paul is invoking the power of God, then we can infer that it's through the Holy Spirit. So within this verse, we see the power of the Trinity, that uh, God our Father, through the Lord Jesus, or in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, gives us eternal comfort and good hope. Okay, so that is who we hope for. That's who we, uh, in whom we hope, is the Trinity, God the Father, our Lord Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all working together to, to point us to hope. So our source in, of our encouragement and the source of our strength. And again, this is a certainty. A certainty. Okay, so all this is good, and all this is theological, and all this is sound doctrine, uh, but how do we hope, right? Because bad things happen, yeah. right? And we face trouble, we face challenges, and we grieve. We grieve when we lose loved ones. How do we have this hope that, that we're talking about? It's good to talk about it, and it's, it's yes, we can agree to it, we can mentally ascend to it. How do we actually have hope? Turn a couple more pages ahead to Titus. Titus chapter 2. And starting with verse 11. Paul says this. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. So with that context, again, I ask the question, how do we hope? Okay, and so this this gives us the answer in Titus. First of all, uh, let's let's go through this verse eleven. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Now it's important to know that this is not a text, a proof text for universalism. This does not say that everybody will be saved. What it does say is that salvation is available for everybody that the death of Christ and the resurrection of Christ is sufficient in and of itself to bring salvation to everyone who will believe. Okay, There's still that component that you have to put your faith in the death and resurrection before you can take advantage of that power. So this is not a proof text for universalism. But it is the fact that the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men. And the grace of God has appeared instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Okay, so that's how you have hope, right? Is you deny ungodliness, you deny worldly desires, and you live sensibly, you live righteously, and you live godly. All right, how many of us are doing that? Okay, I don't see hands. I couldn't put my hand down too. I was just, that was an example. That was just an example. Okay, so he's telling us this is how we do it, right? We have to deny ungodliness and that we have to deny worldly desires. So we have to live sensibly. We have to live righteously. We have to live godly. 
And then he, in the present age, is talking to us. And I didn't see any hands. So we're not doing this. This is what we're supposed to do, but we're not doing this. How do we get hope? How do we get the attitude of hope? How do we get the attitude of a of, of certain expectation of certainty? Well, the good news is it's not through our power. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, most of us can probably recite this. Uh, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Verse 10, Paul continues. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So what Paul is saying is that God is giving us the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, and that's not of our works. We do nothing to earn it. We do nothing to uh, deserve it. He's giving it to us. And as he's giving us salvation through grace by faith, he is also giving us the power to deny ungodliness. He's also giving us the power to deny worldly desires. And he's also giving us the power to live sensibly and to live righteously and to live godly. That power comes from God. So when we ask the question, how do we have hope? It is a gift from God. When we ask the question, how do we do it? The answer is we don't. Okay, it's given to us. Okay, but we do have the attitude if we have faith. And, and we come back to that. We always have to come back to that. Continuing on in Titus, looking for the blessed hope, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Again, the blessed hope of his return who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Again, that's given to us. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's given to us. So that's where the blessing comes from. That's our blessed hope. That's our blessed hope. Okay, so we talked about in what do we hope? And we hope for the eternal life with our Savior Jesus and God our Father and with all of our loved ones who have preceded us. That's what we hope for. In whom do we hope? We hope in the God our Father, in our Lord Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit. How do we hope? We accept the gift. That, that was given to us to do so. Now, this message is for believers. This message is for those of us who have put our faith and, and trust in Jesus Christ. That if we trust Jesus Christ, we have this. We have this available for us. And so that's what I want to encourage you, is you can put aside your fear, you can put aside your anxiety, uh, you can put aside your uncertainty because we have a certain expectation that Jesus will return, and when he does, that we will live with him forever. We have that. 
So those of you who have not put your faith in Jesus, okay, this message is for you. There's a lot of reasons why you should, a lot of reasons why you should put your faith in Jesus. Uh, but I just want to encourage you that we have fears and we have doubts and we have anxieties and bad things happen and things just keep getting worse and we look around and we see that government is failing us and we look around and we see the, the economy is failing us and we look around and we see that family and friends are failing us. But there's one who doesn't. There's one who won't and there's one who will be there and will return and we will live with him forever and he will be our comfort. He will be our strength. Uh, he will take away all of those bad things and will give us peace and love and joy. And so those of you who have yet to put your faith in, in Christ, I urge you, I urge you for all the good reasons, but also for this. Give him your doubts. Give him your fears. Give him your anxiety, uh, knowing that he will return. He promised and he keeps his promise. So we're going to continue on with our uh, lesson on hope over the next few weeks. This is a little bit of an introduction. Next week, uh, I, I've already got several notes written down. I'm kind of excited about it. Um, but we will be having communion this morning, so I want to make sure that we uh, save some time this morning to be able to do that. So let us pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful to you. We're so grateful to you that you are the author of our hope that you are the object of our hope and that you have given us the means to do so, that on our own, and we have all tried and we have all failed, we have all failed to uh, have the peace and joy and comfort, but we know, we know that we can have it in 